Well, once again, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to be a part of our worship service. Um, for Gary Brubaker, who does all of our musical direction and, um, and puts together all of our music for us. Um, our special music today, Crystal Posey and uh, Jody Brubaker, who offered a beautiful, uh, or beautiful Christmas carol, What Child Is This? Uh, for Chris Shockey, who was our liturgist this morning. Uh, for Brian Lamb and Alana Posey, who were our Advent lighters. Um, thank you so much to all that you have um, and, and all that everyone has to, to bring together to put our worship services together. I'm grateful for you and for your service. Um, I also want to extend an apology for, um, for service for last week. Um, in a time when there were four worship services happening last week and I spent um, about 60 hours editing our worship services together, um, I missed a clip that should have been edited out. And so I apologize for that um, and will be paying much closer attention uh, in the services going forward. So I appreciate your grace and, um, and in that as well. So um, this morning, we are continuing in our Advent series um, called Hello, My Name Is. And we're looking at, um, at the ways that um, the gospel and Isaiah talk about the Messiah. And they're talking in different ways. Um, Isaiah is talking about a future Messiah. And of course, the gospels are talking knowing that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we'll look at what these, what these stories have to, to share with one another as we're in these four weeks leading up to the season of, to leading up to the season of Christmas. Um, now, Advent is the season of waiting and preparing uh, for the Messiah. And so we're looking at what we call the Messiah. Jesus, uh, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace, Emmanuel. There are many names that the Messiah goes by. And so uh, we're looking at Isaiah for the traits and the titles of the Messiah and how we're preparing for the Messiah to change the world and continue to change the world, especially as Jesus changes us as well. So wonderful. we looked last week at Wonderful Counselor, this week Everlasting Father, Mighty God, and Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, well, first, our passage from Isaiah, which we'll read each week. Um, and as you see and as you hear um, the passage from Isaiah being read as a part of our um, as a part of our service in the video, you'll see some nativities um, that are coming from folks within the congregation um, and folks who are participating in our worship service. Um, so some of those may look familiar to you. If you have a nativity picture that you would like to share, please feel free to e email that to me and I'll be happy to use those as well. But um, that passage from Isaiah that we've been hearing. Um, now that was written probably more than 700 years before Jesus's birth. And so they're not talking about Jesus. Um, at least in that time, they're not talking about Jesus. Now, as we read it, we read it through the lens of Jesus. And so um, we, we know how this story continues to unfold. 
And um, that passage in Isaiah was written uh, way before Mary and Elizabeth, uh, before Joseph, and before the baby in the manger. Now, for those who heard this passage in Isaiah for the first time, they're picturing a Messiah. And they're not picturing a baby to be the Messiah. They're picturing this, this wonderful counselor, this government person who is going to make everything right. This everlasting father, this prince of peace, this mighty God. This is who they're picturing. And so um, when we talk about the Messiah, it's, it's pictured in different ways. Now, the Messiah is uh, someone who saves which means that there's something that needs to be saved from. Oh, gosh. Oh, we'll talk about what we need to be saved from next week. Um, a lot of it's ourselves. Spoiler alert. Um, but, uh, but thinking about this Messiah, it offers hope. Because uh, when, you, when you think about or when you hope for this Messiah, it's not like it's just this wishful fantasy. It's, it's something that you feel like is actually going to happen. And it's sort of like the light at the end of the tunnel, that although the darkness may last for the night, the, joy, the light comes in the morning. And so in this season of Advent, in waiting for the Messiah, there's often this play of lightness and darkness. Into the darkness is born a great light. It's why we light candles. Not just because our Advent wreath looks pretty, but to remind us of the light bursting in the middle of the darkness. And that light is the Messiah. And the Messiah is known by many names, not just the ones that we're exploring this season, but known in many ways, which sometimes can be really confusing and frustrating for some people. But if you think about what gives you hope, and maybe write some of those things in the comments below. What are some of the things that give you hope? Now, we may have some similar answers, but I think that for each of us, we have a different picture or a different vision um, of what we might name hope as. Maybe slightly different words. And so that's how there are so many names for the Messiah, for what this Messiah brings. So this morning, we're talking about Everlasting Father and thinking about the word Father. Now, you may think of many different pictures of Father. In a, in a small group uh, not too long ago, I asked um, what words or images or pictures that people had uh, for the word Father. And some have beautiful memories of their fathers. Maybe you remember your father's kindness, or I, I, people talked about the strong hands of their father. They talked about the love that their father had for them and for themselves. Um, people talk about their father's facial hair, the thick beards, or maybe rough housing with, with them and, and their siblings. And, and for as many beautiful memories as we have, there are some that have maybe less than beautiful memories. Maybe their father was absent or a disappointment, or maybe you lost your father at a young age. 
one person who I talked with, um, they didn't in the group, they didn't share publicly, but came up to me afterwards and they said um, that they wanted to, to let me know that their father hadn't been, um, hadn't been the most positive and actually had been quite hurtful and was abusive. And so when they heard the word father, they didn't picture loving, they pictured abuse. And it had done some damage, not only to themselves personally, but also their faith. And so they're also their faith language. So what may seem like a simple word, father, becomes really full and charged. Now, this isn't um, a sermon to debate the gender identity of the Messiah. It's to talk about what this title means. Now, the word that's used in Hebrew is used as a way of describing a king as a representative for God. And so we know um, Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus wasn't just a representative for God, but Jesus was, is God. So even the expectation for what this Messiah would be like was beyond our language and even sometimes beyond our imagination. Now, everlasting, <laughs> everlasting can also have some different, um, can sound a little bit different to us. I mean, okay, ask a, uh, ask a five-year-old what's everlasting and uh, tell them that, tell them there's four weeks to Christmas. Everlasting feels different then. Or... Maybe ask the patient sitting in the doctor's office who's waiting for results from her biopsy. What does everlasting feel like? Or ask the father of a newborn baby who fell asleep in his arms what everlasting feels like. Everlasting feels different depending on our experiences and situations because it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around something infinite because we're just not. And so this Messiah, this Messiah that's coming that we're waiting for, we can begin to imagine. But this Messiah will be bigger and better than even we can begin to fathom. This Messiah will surprise us in good ways at every turn. It'd be nice to have some good surprises, wouldn't it? Well, so this story of Jesus, it's a, it's a surprising story too. The story of Jesus is found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, only Matthew and Luke record Jesus's birth story. And Matthew records this birth story um, through Joseph's perspective. So we heard a little bit about Joseph today. What do we know about Joseph? I mean, for many of us, we've been a part of a church for a long time. And so we've heard the story over and over again, right? But what do we know about Joseph? Because quite honestly, there's very little that we know. Mostly what we know about Joseph is filled in from tradition. So um, scripture 
in, in scripture, we don't actually have Joseph recorded ever saying anything. And we have the story of him having a dream, but we don't know what he actually says. Um, Joseph is only mentioned a handful of times throughout scripture. And the last time that he's mentioned is when Jesus was 12. And so we fill in the gaps. Like tradition says, how old was Joseph? Some traditions, like the Roman Catholic Church or Orthodox Church, says that Joseph was, was quite a bit older than Mary. Now, Mary would have been somewhere between the ages of 11 and 15, around the time when girls usually got married. So some traditions say that Joseph was quite a bit older, um, and some say that actually he was probably around the normal marrying age, which would have been anywhere from... Uh, you know, 14 to 20. Um, so how old was Joseph? Well, okay, so we don't really know for sure. Um, he was a carpenter, and we do know this from, uh, from the words that's used. Tecton is the word that's used for builder and how it describes Joseph. But there's a word that's called architecton, which means that's a master builder. And that's not how Joseph is described. He's described as a tecton, which means that he's a simple, ordinary craftsman. He comes from the family of David, and David was the greatest king of Israel. And his family comes, which means his family comes from Bethlehem, which is important later in the story. Um, he's engaged to Mary. And they have this betrothal, which is legally binding. Um, they were just waiting for the wedding ceremony. And then Mary tells him she's pregnant. And he's pretty aware he is not the father. So he doesn't really believe Mary, um, especially when she says, oh, by the way, this baby is coming from God. And like, God's the father of the baby. Surprise. I mean, if. I mean, would you believe it? Just imagine what your response might be. So Joseph's response to this is to dismiss her quietly and just end the relationship. So because if he does this publicly, what it means for Mary is that she could be killed. She could be stoned for infidelity. So he decides if he dismisses her quietly, it saves Mary's life. It also means he takes shame upon himself. He would have paid her dowry. So he would have paid her family. Um, and it also could have meant that if Mary's father insisted, he still had to take care of her. Now, if Joseph is a simple, ordinary craftsman. He doesn't really have much money, especially to pay for another dowry. So this is actually kind of a sacrifice he's taking to dismiss her quietly. Now we have the Annunciation to Mary of her becoming pregnant, but this passage in this story is sort of the Annunciation to Joseph. He has this vivid dream where an angel, a messenger of God, tells him what's happened and says, Mary is telling the truth, um, which is kind of comforting, like when an angel comes to tell you, by the way, everything is true. Um, and so he takes Mary as his wife and raises this child. And they all lived happily ever after. The end.
Oh, wait, but there is that part where um, everybody wants to kill him as a baby, and so they have to run away as refugees to Egypt. Oh, and then, okay, maybe it's not quite happily ever after, but the story, and Joseph's part of the story, and at any point, Joseph's story tells our story. Now, maybe we haven't had the exact same situation happen, but we've all had a story where, where we've had some of the same emotions or surprises or, or even preparations. We had a picture of how things were supposed to go and then it got turned upside down. We knew everything that would be coming. Maybe it was marriage and family and we'd live happily ever after. Or maybe it was, I'll get the best job and I'll have the best life. And maybe, maybe everything changes and, and life seems to unravel or, or it doesn't go the way we pictured. And what happens when life starts to unravel? I mean, Joseph goes to quietly dismiss Mary, but what's that? What's that journey like on the way home? There and, and back. I mean, have you had those journeys? The walk away from Mary as Joseph told her he didn't believe her and wouldn't marry her? Now, most often we think about what Mary's emotions might be, but what was Joseph feeling? Hurt? Angry? Confused? Lost? Have you had those journeys? The drive home when the doctor just told you it's cancer. The walk after the fight where you knew your relationship or your marriage was over. The drive after you've been let go from the company you've been working for. The medical bill that comes in after you've been told the insurance won't cover anymore. The journey after the news that changes your life. How have you felt? Hurt? Angry? Confused? In those journeys that have felt everlasting. And what do you do in those moments? Do you want to be left alone? I mean, I think even if we want to be left alone, we also want to know that we're not alone. We want someone to journey with us. Rob Bell says we want someone to scream alongside us. And that's what Emmanuel is, God with us. Jesus is the invisible made visible. Because the journeys that you take However everlasting they might feel, you don't go alone. God screams alongside us. No matter what's happening in life or how dark it may seem or how everlasting that journey may feel, God is always there. Everything about this story is a surprise. It's an everlasting father, but not like the father that you know. It's a Messiah, but not the Messiah that you expected. It's a God who's far away, but also close at the same time. Are you open to being surprised by the season, by this wonderful counselor, by this everlasting father, by this Messiah, by Jesus? 
Can you help invite someone else to be surprised? Maybe someone who you know is on that everlasting journey. Can you scream alongside them? Send a Christmas card to someone who you haven't talked to in a while. Send words of support to someone who's been working. Offer to some, send a meal to someone who's been working or maybe to someone who's been laid off. Help a family tutor children as they're doing uh, remote learning. Ask a local teacher what their supply need is. Drop a hot chocolate gift bag off to your neighbors. Do something to surprise someone with the gift of celebrating the season. Helping them to know that they're not alone. They're loved and appreciated and someone is there to scream alongside them. And then create space in your own life to be surprised for this baby who not just represents God, but is God. For this season of hope, of peace, of love and of joy. For this Messiah to be made known. For unto you a child is born, a wonderful counselor, an everlasting father, mighty God, Prince of Peace. Amen.